very faithful. There's not been a morning when the sun didn't come up. You get tired of your job, don't want to do something, put it off. No, he's faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Conversations around the well Friday night, that was, that was something different. You could have gone away saying, well, I didn't get it. They didn't teach me anything. Just wait, there's a timer on some of this. It'll go off after a while. No, they didn't, they didn't teach. Well, there are more ways to teach than standing and lecturing. Amen. And in fact, if all you're doing is sitting and listening, you're not getting any practical experience at leading and expressing your opinion and saying things in front of people is part of the leadership skill set. Amen. Well, I'd like to be a leader, but I don't want to be in front of people. Well, how are you going to lead them from behind? <laughs> so if uh, next time it comes around next month, or that, hey, it's this month already again. But uh, we will be having more conversations around the well. And that's what it is. It's a conversation we're learning from each other. Praise God. Now, I'm standing here this morning, and... I've listened to Sister Leela, and uh, then Sister Pierce got up here and, and uh, gave uh, just a taste, and I thought, if this were golf, which I've never played, but if this were golf, they would have teed up this ball ready to go. Amen. Can I have my slide, title slide, please? I want to talk this morning about the other Sabbath. Now, I am very, I'm sure that most of you are very familiar with the idea of Sabbath. Of course, it's from the Old Testament. The Jews still observe it on Saturday uh, around here, uh, the day off for the church staff is Monday. We call that our Sabbath. And uh, I'm going to talk about another Sabbath. And please do not anyone take what I say this morning and go away and say, well, there's a disagreement between the, the uh, preacher this morning and his son-in-law. And, you know, and, uh, I am not in any way speaking against you taking time off and just stop. Um, but there's another Sabbath. In fact, there are a lot of Sabbaths. Let's start, well, a good place to start would be in the Word of God, wouldn't it? So let's go real early in the Scripture to Genesis chapter 2. 
and verse number two. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the foundation scripture, which you will find repeated, maybe not talking about uh, why he did it or that it was uh, in relation to the creation, but over and over and over in the Old Testament, you will find it repeated and reiterated and rebrought to the front and told to us again and again. How many ways can I say this? Well, I use a lot of ways to say it because it showed up a lot of times. And if somebody wants all the scriptures about the time that the weekly Sabbath is commanded in the Old Testament, come see me later. But this weekly Sabbath, in fact, it actually made it into one uh, as one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But the Bible, if you begin to understand it, as we have been told to slow down and look at things, ask questions, figure things out, bounce it off of each other, you'll, you'll find that in the scriptures that there are a lot of symbols. We, we call them types, typology, the study of, of types, of symbols, where this stands for that. You, uh, some of you are old enough to remember the old filling station maps, and you'd go in and you'd get a map of it. You were traveling and you'd go in and get a map of an area, and they, they just gave them away free. They, they were just there in a rack, and you picked out what you wanted, and, and you unfolded the map, and there were symbols that, that uh, stood for well, this uh, blue road, that's, that's a pretty good way, but the light blue, well, that's, that's more of a back road. And then there came the, the interstates, and they had to redo all the maps and, and on and on. And, but you knew that when you looked at that, that uh, symbol of a, a red, road, red line or a blue line or whatever it was, however thick or thin it was, and a little circle with a name above it, that you weren't looking at the road. You weren't looking at the city you were looking at the symbol. And because you understood the symbol, you could figure out, well, this symbolizes where I am and that symbolizes where I'm going, and so I can, I can figure out how to get there. That's not the road, but it's the symbol of the road, and if I'll follow where that symbol points and what it's talking about, and I'll travel that way, I'll get there. And so we find that Throughout the scriptures, there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of symbols. And sometimes these symbols help us to understand. In fact, that's their, their reason. That's, there was the reason for the map, so you could understand, know where to go. Maybe you have trouble understanding the love of God for those who have strayed. But if you can grasp the symbol 
of the shepherd that helps you to understand. The shepherd looking for the sheep is not the Lord seeking the lost, but it symbolizes it. It helps us to know what's happening. Maybe you don't understand about getting right with God but, and, and beginning a new process and a new life, but if you get the symbol of birth, ah, now I see what they're talking about. I'm starting over. But Nicodemus was a little thick. And he could, how can I, a grown man, be born again? They don't have a delivery room for that kind of thing. There are no nurses trained in that. And no mamas that can do it either. <laughs> so Jesus used a different symbol about how unpredictable and out of our control his power is. The wind blows where it wants to. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. Meteorologists may say, well, this front is coming in from, but where did it start? Oh, there's a high over here and a low over there, but how'd they get there? Why, after all of these thousands and thousands of years, hadn't it just all settled out, like, you know, just equaled out? But we still have all of this. The wind blows. I don't know how the Spirit's going to move. I just know that the Spirit's going to move. We had some days this week where it was pretty windy. And wasn't anybody do anything about it except kind of lean into it and cooperate with what was going on, adjust to it. You know, I like to, I like to adjust to what the Spirit's doing if I can. <laughs> and then we wonder about going to Him, and, and we may not understand all of that, but if we can understand the symbol of the priest... Every religion had priests back then. Priests of Baal, priests of Ashtaroth, priests of, of, of and, and a lot of them still do. But you can understand someone who intercedes. And Jesus Christ is our great high priest. So I can understand what he's doing in representing me to take care of my sins. So I want to talk this morning or this afternoon a little while about, about uh, the symbolism. I'm not going real deep in it. And if you want scriptures, I'm not going to give you a lot of scriptures, but if you need scriptures on any of these uh, Sabbaths, come see me and I can, I can bore you to tears with this. So we have the weekly Sabbath, 52 weeks, 52 Sabbaths every year. But those were not 
all of the Sabbaths because there were various holy days that were set aside as, as Sabbaths. Now, most of you are familiar with the Passover where they slew the Passover lamb and uh, put the blood on the doorpost and the, and, and the lintel and, and so on. That was not a Sabbath. It couldn't be. They were, they were busy uh, killing the lamb. They had work to do. They had to, they had to, to paint the, the door, and so that, that would be work, and so they couldn't do that on a Sabbath. So the Passover, where they killed the lamb, was not the Sabbath. But it was the Passover was followed immediately. The next day began a festival known as the Festival of Unleavened Bread. And this festival of, of unleavened bread started and ended with a Sabbath. The first day of unleavened bread was a Sabbath. The last day of the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread was a Sabbath. And during those days, they, they shut down the stores, they left the fields untended, and they rejoiced and they, they celebrated and, and they had a Sabbath. Now, uh, in this one, uh, that is obviously not unleavened bread, but that would have left us with a flat slide. So <clears throat> I wanted something more well-rounded, so I just let this one go with it. And, and by the way, these, uh, they have done a tremendous job with these, these slides. And, uh, <clears throat> I gave them a list of words, and they came up with these slides. So... Uh, a lot of times, the, the only time you notice AV or, is when you're doing like this. <laughs> That's the way it is with preaching, too. I heard about a preacher that, that said something wrong, some, got facts mixed up in, in his preaching. A lady met him at the back door, and, and she upbraided him about the fact that, that he had, had made a mistake. And so he asked her, he said, uh, ma'am, do you, you remember my scripture subject, this, my scripture this morning? She said, no, I don't remember that. Do you, can you remember the title of the message? No, I don't have that. He said, uh, well, my theme, what? No, I don't have it. He said, well, it's a good thing I made that mistake or you wouldn't have remembered anything about what was going on <laughs> Think about that next time. So there, here is a, a Sabbath that is, it may or may not be the weekly Sabbath. Because it doesn't matter what day of the week that these, these festivals fall on. They just are Sabbath, and it can be preceded by a Sabbath. It can coincide with a weekly Sabbath. It can follow a weekly Sabbath. We don't know when it would be, but when it came time for the Feast of Unleavened Bread that celebrated their release from slavery in Egypt. They had a day of rest. Then later in the year, at uh, September, October, somewhere in that neighborhood, they, they had three major uh, festivals that they enjoyed after harvest time. Uh, 
Pentecost was a, a day after the Sabbath. So I'm not going to talk much about it, but the, this, uh, this trilogy of uh, festivals, feasts, started with the Feast of Trumpets. And on this day, uh, I don't think that the trumpet blowers had wings, but I like that picture. So, <laughs> uh, uh, And one of these days, if angels have wings, there's going to be some, some trumpeters like that. So, uh, But anyhow, uh, we've got the, the Feast of Trumpets, and it was a major festival that the people had to observe. And it, again, was a feast that coincided or it was on a day that was a Sabbath. It was a particular day of the month, but that particular day of the month, wherever it came in the week, was a Sabbath. They shut down their businesses. They stopped their regular doings. Their travel was, was limited to so many steps, and they were there, and they feasted and they rejoiced. You see, the Sabbath was not something dreary and uh, limiting and, and uh, keeping them down, but rather it was a time to rejoice and to, to be glad that you were one of God's children and that you were part of the chosen. And it was a time to sit and, and enjoy your family and, and be with your your. Uh, friends and, and worship the Lord. And these were good times. These were days that they looked forward to. It wasn't like our hurry, hurry, hurry uh, of this modern day in America of, of oh, we, if we miss an appointment, we're, we're in trouble. If we, if we don't uh, get the right slot in a revolving door, then it throws our whole schedule off. Forget the schedule, worship God. In fact, blow the trumpet to let everybody know it's time to worship God. It's time to stop. It's time to back off from what's going on around us and, and get to something that's important, our relationship with God. Then there was, a few days after that, was the Feast of Atonement. Yom Kippur, the Jews call it. The day when their sins were taken care of for that year. There was a uh, there were a couple of chapters in Leviticus, you know, that, that uh, chapter that so many times people's eyes glaze over when they go to Leviticus. The only thing worse is numbers. <laughs> if you're doing a, a yearly Bible reading, if you can get past numbers, there's a good chance you got it made. You can do the rest of it. <laughs> but this was a holy day. This was a... This was a day of mourning, yes. But by the time the day was over, it was a day of rejoicing. Our sins are taken care of. The, the, the priest has made the atonement sacrifice. We have been released from all that we did wrong. The things that we did not get right. The things that we disobeyed the law. Here we are. Free. Free from yesterday, free from last week, free, we've been set free. We, our sins have been covered by the blood and we're going to take a rest for that. Hallelujah. I'm going to rejoice in it. Praise God. Then this was followed by the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, started with 
a, uh, a day of, of, sacrifice, of uh, Sabbath, and you say, well, they had lots of Sabbaths. Yeah, sure did. Sure did, 52 plus some more. And in this Feast of Tabernacles, they, they left their homes and they built booths or pitched tents or made temporary places to live. And they would then in this time of tabernacles, which if I remember correctly, I know it began with the Sabbath and I think it ended with the Sabbath, but these, this Feast of Tabernacles was their commemoration of their wandering in the wilderness of the time that they were camped at Mount Sinai, of the, of the time that they had left Egypt behind them, but they hadn't yet reached the promised land. And it, this was a, a week-long celebration that started with the Sabbath. We're going to shut down our, our resting, or our working, and, and we're going to rest, and, and we're going to have opportunity to think of the goodness of God, how he delivered us from slavery, how he brought us out and he gave us manna. You know what manna means? Manna literally means in Hebrew, what is it? They couldn't figure out what it was. They'd never seen anything like it before. What is it? That manna, every time you say manna, you're saying, what is it? So if I come up to you and you're looking at something, I, I say manna, you'll know what I'm asking. What is it? What's... See, these things reminded them of their past. It reminded them of what God had done and with the tone of what God was doing. And they celebrated them every year. Every year you come to September, October, you know we've got trumpets, you know we've got atonement, you know we've got tabernacles. Run down to Lowe's and get some plywood. We're going to be camping out for a few days. But the Sabbaths were not just days. There was, in the commandment of the Lord, another Sabbath that was geographic. And that Sabbath was a land of rest from their wanderings. I just told you about tabernacles or booths, and that was commemorating their wanderings, but God said, I've got a place where you can rest from your wanderings. There's an old song we used to sing when I was a boy. I have ceased from my wanderings and goings astray since Jesus came into my heart. He promised them a land of rest, a land of cessation from doing their, their wandering around, from their not knowing where they were, from their not being home. I've got a place, a land, a land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you as their descendants are going to get it. There's a land right over there. I've got it for you. Enter into my rest. I'm going to talk about that a whole lot more in just a few minutes. But they didn't do it. 
And I'm really going to talk about that. But there was the land that was their rest, that was their Sabbath. It was a Sabbath land. You think, well, Israel, that's just another place. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not just another place. It was a Sabbath. The whole land was a Sabbath, a place to rest. God was taking them from slavery to rest. Then he had given them commandment that when they got in that land, of course they'd have to plow and plant and all the other things that go with just living. But he said, every seventh year, I want you to let this land have a Sabbath. You can plant, you can grow crops, you can harvest all of the stuff that you do. You gather up the grapes, you get the barley and the wheat and all of that. And, and uh, that's, that's wonderful. I want you to do that. But that seventh year, I want the land to lie fallow. Several years ago, we had a nephew. Now, I've, we got kin folks back in Oklahoma that are farmers. And uh, it's, it's not really a big deal for, for uh, the family there for uh, Chris to plant a thousand acres of corn. And you know, there were all these government programs that you'd have. Uh, that they were encouraging crop rotation and you'd have to leave this lying uh, fallow with, with nothing being raised there. And, and the government, that's you and me, would pay them to leave that, that land un, unused. Well, God said, you're all going to do it together. Every seventh year, everybody goes on the assistance program. Everybody lets all the land lie fallow for a year. He said, now what I'm going to do, instead of sending you a check every month, I'm going to take that sixth year and I'm going to give you a bumper crop where that you'll have enough to last you through the sixth year, the seventh year, and until the crops come in in the eighth year. But that seventh year... I don't want you with a hoe in your hand. No rake smoothing it out. Let it be. Eat what was stocked up, what I gave you ahead of time. Every seventh year, that's what they were supposed to do. Then when they had done that seven times, and they had gone 49 years, and seven of those 49 years had been Sabbath years. Then on the 50th year, so this would be two Sabbaths in a row, they were declare, to declare a year of Jubilee, which was also a Sabbath. And God said, I will give you a good enough crop in year 48 to carry you through 49, 50 51 until the crops come in in 52. Now, how can you argue with a deal like that? But they did. 
They didn't, they didn't observe those Sabbaths, and I, I, again, if you want the scriptures, we can, we can get those later. But this was a cause, this was a reason, this was an underlying condition that brought about the Babylonian captivity. You know about their idol worship, but God said, you didn't let the land rest like I told you to, so I'm going to take you out of there, and it's going to get its rest. God's serious about this Sabbath business. He's serious enough to pull up the whole bunch of them and send them to Babylon in order for his Sabbaths to be observed. Did I make that point? Now, let me go to Psalm 95, and we'll begin with verse 7. For he is our God. This is David. Uh, of this one, you know, there's some folks say, well, David wrote these and he didn't write that one. And someone, some, David wrote this one because Jesus said he did. No, Hebrew said, the writer of Hebrews said he did. And that's just as good because all scriptures inspired of God. So Psalm 95 and 7, for he is our God, we are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Now this is poetry, Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry is not like Western poetry. Western poetry, we do a lot of, of rhyming at the end, and that's what makes it poetry. Roses are red, violets are blue. I made this up. What about you? <laughs> so here, here's the, the, the psalms, the songs, the poetry set to music. And right now we're entering into the important theme of it. If only you would listen to his voice today. That's prophecy. You may not realize it, but that's prophecy. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Mirabah and as they did at Massa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years, I was angry with them. Now, you talk about getting a mad on. Forty years, folks. <laughs> Bad as the fat fields and McCoys. And I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them to do. Very poetic. Very poetic. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. What's he talking about? I'm not going to let this generation in the land of Sabbath. They're not going into the promised land. They didn't believe me. They wouldn't work with me. And I am done with them. They're going to die in the wilderness. Again, anybody needs scripture? I got them. 
hear you today. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did. Remember that phrasing. Listen to his voice today. Remember that phrasing. Because we're going to hear it again. Because I'm talking about another Sabbath. We find in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, and we're, I'm dropping in in the middle of the, of the argument here. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled when they tested me in the wilderness. And in case you don't know it, he's talking about that passage in the Psalms I just read to you. He's quoting it. He's, he's bringing it up. We're going to talk about this psalm because this is a prophecy of something that's going on right now when it was talking about something that had happened 500 years before. It's amazing how God can take these things and he can talk about something that happened 500 years before and then David became king and he talked about it and it applied to something that was a thousand years in the future. In fact, it was 3,000 years in the future because it's still in process and it's still in power today. That's why I'm preaching about the other Sabbath today because God's got another Sabbath and he's got it for you. If you're here without that Sabbath, I hope you don't leave without it. I got to hurry if I can. There, your ancestors tested and tried my patience. Symbolic, I hope. Even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, I was so angry with them, I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. That sound like anybody you've seen in a mirror? So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. There's an echo from the book of Psalms. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. The writer of the book of Hebrews says that that David was talking about in the Psalms is still applicable today. There is still a Sabbath. There is still a rest. There is still a cessation from our own way of doing things that is available to people in the day when he was writing, and it has not been revoked since. It's still available to us today. There's another Sabbath. There's another Sabbath. There was a weekly Sabbath. There was a, a, a unleavened bread Sabbath. There was a tabernacle Sabbath. There was a, a, an atonement Sabbath. There was a trumpet Sabbath. There was a Sabbath land. There was a Sabbath year. There was a Sabbath jubilee. But there's another Sabbath. You ought to, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble and in fear that some of you might fail to experience it. It's not something that you pushed into, you got to do, you got to go do that. It's so hard. No, 
that you tremble in fear that somebody might miss it, that they might not experience this wonderful Sabbath. Somebody, there was a whole generation that missed the land of promise, that missed the glory that God had for them. They missed it because they wouldn't believe him. I tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news, gospel, good news, that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Caleb went in. Joshua went in. They believed God. And the rest of them, their bones bleached in the wilderness sun. For only we who believe can enter his rest. Well, Brother Moss, how do you know whether I believe or not? That's not my, not my decision. It's his. We're not talking about something, I give you the check mark in the box and say, all right. No. He is the one who verifies whether we believe or not. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest, and here he was talking about the land, has been ready since he made the world. When he made the world, he made Palestine. It, it wasn't dropped in as an afterthought. It all used to be nothing, and, and he just dropped. No, he made it at the same time he made everything else. We know it is ready because of the place in the Scriptures where he mentions the seventh day. He's, he's talking about the, the, will, the weekly Sabbath. So he's tying this together. He's talking about a land of rest. He's talking about that weekly day of rest. And he said on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. I'm talking about Sabbath. The, you may not have known that there was a whole lot about Sabbath in the book of Hebrews. But if you'll dive in there, you'll find there's a whole lot, a whole lot in the book of Hebrews. Another passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. I, I don't want to hear that for any of us. So God's rest is there for the people to enter. Well, I just don't know if I could, if I could have, I don't know if that's for me today. I just... I'm not sure I could get that. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God's rest is there for people to enter. When God sets something up, he makes it available. It's not like the, the, uh, the Greeks, I believe it was the Greeks, had, had all these gods, goofy gods, and there was one fellow that, that angered some of the gods, and so they, they, they tied him in a, in a river, 
flowing water. I'd call it probably a creek or a stream. But he, when he'd reach down to get a drink, the waters would recede. And, and so he couldn't get any water. And there was a, a fruit tree growing with the, the branches just over his head, full of fruit. And he'd reach up for the fruit, and the branch would just raise, just, just out of reach. That guy's name was Tantalus, from which we get tantalized. That's not the way my God works. If he makes something available, it's available. It's not just out of reach. He made it. And the reason he made it is because he wants you to have it. Not. Did you ever as a kid lose something? They snatched your cap. They grabbed your book. They got a toy. And they'd just form a circle around you, and you'd go after it, and they'd toss it to the next one, and the next one. And you got your exercise. That's not my God. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news, gospel, good news, failed to enter because they disobeyed God. I hear some, sometimes hear people saying, well, God won't mind if you miss that service. Who made them a spokesman for God? Have you got that in the signed copy? I could get, get a copy of it. Verse 7, so God set another time for entering his rest. We're leaving the wilderness. We're leaving the promised land promise. We're going to another time, and that time is today. There's a promise of rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later. Again, 500 years or so after they went into the land, it, it, They've already conquered the land. They've got a kingdom set up. They're on their second king. Their second king writes a poem. That poem has in it uh, a song poem, and it has in it from this king talking about a time today. That part is prophecy because the today was later. God announced this through David in the words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice, don't Harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, if the land of promise, if the land of Palestine, what we know as Israel, was the final resting place, if it was the final rest, then God would not have spoken about another day, about another rest still to come. In other words, they were already in the land. 
that, that, that group, that generation that wouldn't accept it. They were dead. Another generation did accept it. They've got the land. Oh, yeah, we've got it now. Oh, wonderful. We've accepted the promise. And then 500 years later, David says, today, right now, speaking prophetically, there is yet another Sabbath. There is yet another rest. There's another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest rested from their labors. Just as God did rest after creating the world. <clears throat> Seven days. Six days he created the world and all that's in it. Reformed it, whatever happened. And then he rested. He's through. I don't find it. I know that if something's happening out there that doesn't concern us, we're not going to hear about it in the Scriptures. But the implication is that when God got through creating this world, this universe, this whatever, He was through. That somewhere out on the edges of our universe, there are not worlds still being made. New matter is not still coming into existence. New energy is not surging from nowhere. He quit. He rested. He stopped. I'm through with that project. I'm not doing it anymore. It's over. So we are to rest from our labors. What are our labors? <coughs> Sin, disbelief, rebellion working against God and His ways, seeking our own ways and doing our own thing. Oh, I remember. I'm old enough, I remember that. Uh, do your own thing, man. Well, that worked out real well, didn't it? A lot of our problems today are from that kind of nonsense. In other words, when we enter this rest, we're supposed to we're supposed to quit looking for what we get and start looking for his guidance. We're supposed to quit walking in our ways, turn around, that's another word for repentance, and walk in his ways. There's another Sabbath. He rested we're to rest from our labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. For if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Okay, Brother Moss, you've talked about weekly Sabbath, unleavened bread, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, land, a yearly Sabbath, 
a jubilee of her 50th year. What's this other Sabbath? What's this other rest? Glad you asked that question. Because it's the Holy Ghost. Who was it that said, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're none of his? I think I heard that here this morning, quoting from the book of Romans. Sound familiar to anybody? That's why I said this is teed up exactly. Holy Ghost is not a maybe. Holy Ghost is not a can have. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is our Sabbath. This is really our Christian Sabbath to have his spirit within us to cease from our labors, to cease from our wanderings and going astray. I'm not condemning anybody. That's not my job. That's not in my ability. I'm telling you, God has something prepared for you that's wonderful. You can't imagine what it will do in your life if you'll just believe him and let him in. We don't have it on a slide, but there were some people, there were some people in Jerusalem. They were devout men. They kept a weekly Sabbath. These were the ones that celebrated unleavened bread. They had just come from 40 days, 50 days before the celebration Feast of Unleavened Bread. They observed tabernacles, atonement, booths, uh, uh, trumpets. They, they observed those. And they were pricked in their hearts. We haven't got everything we need. We've done all these other Sabbaths. We're standing in the Holy Land. We're standing where Joshua brought them for rest. We're standing right here, but we haven't got all we need. We've seen there's another Sabbath. What must we do? And Simon Peter, said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. The promise is to you. Ah. Answers our question. 
what shall we do? It's to us. And to your children. Oh, good, we're taking care of the family too. Ah, oh, my kids can have this. This is to you and to your children. And it's to everybody that's afar off, even if they're on the other side of the world afar off, even if they're thousands of years in the future afar off, even if they're a long ways from righteous, this promise is to them as well in Newark. In Timbuktu, in Brisbane, wherever they are, the promises to you and to your children and to all that are far off, whomsoever the Lord may call. And the last I noticed, his call was whosoever will. Whosoever will. Whosoever. We keep a weekly Sabbath. I've got no problem there. We're not so much on observing unleavened bread, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. <laughs> we don't live in Israel. A lot of those Sabbaths really don't seem to apply. But this one does. You, your children, those that are far off. If you're here this morning and you've not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, well, how will I know when I got it? Well, <clears throat> I won't have to tell you. In fact, nobody here can tell you. Because God Himself gives the birth announcement. you catch my symbolism there? I remember now it's over 50 years ago things have changed a lot around hospitals since then. My wife was in the delivery room and I was out in the hall wearing out the linoleum. But I was real close to the door that led to the hall that was all that ran by the delivery room. I was pacing, but I was staying just as close as I could to that door. No husbands going in the delivery room in those days. Pariahs. And I didn't see a child born. I didn't know if we had a boy or a girl. But I remember hearing the cry of birth. I knew. I didn't see anything. But I knew because I heard. I heard. There was a birth. And Jesus compared the baptism of the Spirit to a birth. 
he'll speak through you. When that breath comes in, we got to cry. Three years, one day, 30 minutes later, I heard it again. That was your pastor's wife. I heard, I heard, I knew there was life, there was birth, I heard. Jesus compared the baptism of the Spirit to a birth. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, it won't be something you do, it'll be the Spirit. They, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you haven't got that, you haven't got the Holy Ghost yet. But the Holy Ghost is for you. Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation, as in the day when they didn't believe him. Oh, I, you may not believe me, but believe him. You may not like the way I preach it, but believe him. You may not, there may be a lot of things you would say, but, but believe him, believe him. He's got it for you. For the promises to you and to your children and all that are afar off. And as we stand this morning and this altar would be open, or you could right where you are receive His Spirit. I've known of people receiving the Spirit of the Lord on a riding lawnmower. Our first general superintendent of this organization received the Holy Ghost on a train. But the altar's open. Wherever you make an altar, Wherever you are, God wants to fill you with His Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Ghost this morning, I invite you.